Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Phil Craft Survival Podcast. I'm your host. What? I sound kind of, do I sound fuzzy? No. Okay. That's just me. <laughs> I'm sorry. I apologize. Welcome to the podcast, Kurt. Gee. Welcome to work. <laughs> yeah. We're sitting at work right now. Um, you did this again. You're like, we're doing a podcast. A random podcast. Yeah. Of uh, randomness. No, no, this is a shooting the shit podcast. There's so many things to talk about. We don't even <laughs> Are there need. really? There is really. <laughs> like our attention to um these fucking ridiculous tactical people doing don't stupid even shit. Talk about Just let it. me open no, up the box. No. Just a little bit. Don't do I it. I won't dude. mention names. No, because then you're going against your own advice at our courses, which are, you know, yeah, there's yeah, all yeah. kinds of tacticians out there. And that's true. Some of them are Wow, we just watched <laughs> one that I. <laughs> I am it's now burned in my thank you, sir. Mind. I am now dumber having watched this uh, Instagram ness. Oh. Yeah. Well, here, just let me say this: you can't say any background. I won't. I won't just any because background. It's yeah. bad. Yeah, it's bad. We're not going to be haters, but yeah. So holy shit, <laughs> God. Though, so the, <laughs> the so the the thing is, just assess it for yourself, and just keep this in mind. If you look at a tactician, right? Because, you know, tacticians are... What is a tactician? Do well, you have a, a defin- or de- the, the de- definition? <laughs> the definition? I think I got it. So a tactician is somebody who turns tactics into a business. Right. Because really, you know... If well, you, well, I mean, I think there's a responsible way to do that, right? Like based off of surviving firefights and actually being in them and oh, creating yeah. like oh, yeah, stuff. Yeah. And stuff that works. And right. like the Fundamentally that works. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, my whole thing is when we talked about it over the weekend and seminars and everything else, if if you are creating your own uh, enterprise through inventing a tactic or technique that hasn't been proven in combat, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's super <laughs> or a gunfight, you know, for yeah. an LE guy or something like that, that's, or even a civilian that has no validation, right? Because there's a whole. Let me just give an example. <laughs> like if you're moving to the prone. And you do a fucking loop-de-loo and get down into the prone, you're a fucking retard. Exactly. I'm sorry for saying it that way, but oh my God, we just watched something that was... You're doing exactly what you told me not to do. I can't help it. I'm not going to say who it is or what they're doing or their background, but I was like... Oh, God. I mean, I was literally waiting for the the next part of the video to be jumping through fiery hoops in a fucking ISIS outfit. Oh, gosh. Oh, God. That's the perfect (laughs) analogy of what that is. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, there's no, look, it's not necessary to do unnatural things because the reality is the more that you program into your psyche, the, the more, the more chance you have of fucking it up when things go bad. For example, if you, if you create a, a special technique to get down in the prone and then you, you try to instill that into muscle memory and then something happens where you have to get down in the prone, you're going to overcomplicate a very simple thing. Getting in the prone does not have to be tactically uh, deciphered or broken down by the numbers. Yeah, there. Well, there's. I think there's efficient ways to do it. Like one of the one of the cool ways I've heard uh, it described is doing like a wrestling sprawl where you actually it's uh, they call it point sprawl shoot and and it's actually a technique that's taught. But when you do it in front of everybody, like it actually makes sense. You're not doing like crazy monkey rolls and actually i think that course we just watched is called the range theatrics yeah <laughs> gunfighter or something 100 percent, 100 percent. um so this weekend we dude i, I was smoked this weekend <laughs> i'm still recovering i'm sore are you DJ. really from, i don't know dude i don't from know running the old, stress man. shoots yeah i'm getting old anyways we had a good day on saturday we were in um Prescott um, Valley, yeah, teaching at the PD range. Mm-hmm. Um, big shout out to Tyler for uh, facilitating that, but also being a good range safety guy. And thank you, Prescott Valley PD, for letting us use the range uh, with a Prescott PD guy being our range safety officer. Appreciate that. Absolutely, we appreciate you guys and what you guys do for our communities. And it was a good, good course. Pistol, yeah. um, look, pistol gunfighting is is uh essential because that's what you're more likely to carry and we had a good course man good energy everybody was motivated yeah had a real good time yeah absolutely that was a good one then sunday we followed up at uh cowtown down in peoria arizona which is if you're not familiar with the area in northwestern phoenix and that was a good course as well that was a big class had a lot of people there um you know 
when you're looking at uh, if you're if you are thinking about buying a carbine or not. That's nice. I just showed <laughs> Sorry. Kurt a picture of my wiener. Yeah. <laughs> Man, that thing is friggin' tiny. <laughs> is that is that the thing you keep calling the anteater? Or? <laughs> Anyways, no, but uh, if you're thinking about buying a carbine, so kind of some of the things that we talk about, like if you're a civilian looking at buying a carbine, we talk about your, uh, your vehicle being the next kind of stage up uh, in your preparedness. So... Um, you know, we've been talking a lot about car guns and all these, you know, different things that you can do. So if you carry a pistol, um, when shit goes south, you know, maybe potentially you have a carbine in a vehicle locked up or something like that. Obviously be careful about leaving firearms and vehicles. I think it's some crazy statistic, like 80 or 90% of theft of firearms comes out of your vehicle. So if you're going to be the person that leaves one in your vehicle, make sure it's actually secured properly or else some shit bag's going to use your gun in a crime. Yeah, we got a couple, you know, a couple of things that we're working with that address that. One is um, Boss Strongbox. Obviously, if you use Philcraft, you save 25%. They have lockable boxes for all your storing pleasure in your, you know, your, your mobility <laughs> your platform. Your storing pleasure. <laughs> your mobility yeah, platform. What are you going to keep else? in there? What do you keep in there? That's uh, the real question. Pearl's purple dildo. <laughs> Yeah. Um, it's classified. And then, uh, the other thing is, um, you know, we're doing something with truck vault and they're actually going to kit out, um, uh, the rear of my vehicle, uh, with a command center, uh, which is awesome. <laughs> Dude, I'm going to be chalking up. Are you going to have like a field uniform on standing outside the command center? Like, Hell yeah. <laughs> with your ops. hands on your hips, like Sergeant major, like there's Hell a cigarette butt in the yes. grass. Pick that up. <laughs> um, truck vault is pretty badass. I actually, uh, and fall in love with their, their equipment. And, um, you know, this, you know, this whole tactical thing that we've been talking about, we, we had that survival seminar, which, you know, it's 60 people show up from Prescott, the, uh, local Phoenix area of Prescott, Prescott Phoenix. Yeah. And it, it was a good seminar. And some things that stood out to me, I had uh, a couple of people, uh, address it with us. Beth, who lives in Scottsdale, uh, her and her husband have kids. She was like, why don't you guys do a seminar with kids? Mm-hmm. You know, why don't you teach kids and have a portion of that? And I'm like, because we can't cuss during the. I did it so hard <laughs> last seminar when yeah. the, the kids. I was like, I know. Because yeah. I like to emphasize points with fuck. And so. And butthole. And, and butthole. I like yeah. to use butthole analogies. All the time. It's really weird. Well, we have but <laughs> Everybody has a butthole. And everybody experiences a whole bunch of diff- different things, like tank Yeah, cramps, but you, you use, like, stuff lactation. like... Lactation. Yeah, your butthole's lactating, which to me, like... It's true. Yeah, the <laughs> definition of lactation or lactating... Like a, like a bre- like breast milk. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then you, you know, you visualize a butthole lactating, and then I don't know what to think, other than I get a little bit, you know, wheezy. Nauseous. Yeah, <laughs> nauseous thinking about that. It always drives home the point, though. <laughs> yeah, well, or... It, it diverts everybody's attention and then they have a terrible mental picture of a lactating butthole. So, um, so we also, um, you know, you, did you see that, uh, Jacksonville shooting that kid, the gamer? Oh yeah. Went yeah, in and yeah. killed. A I only people. saw, I, I saw a small blurb on it. I should know more about that, but yeah, we've been super busy. I mean, the things that we got, like this tourniquet holster. Yeah. Um, you know, we never even realized when we designed the tourniquet holster how much, how much, uh, like there's no bullshit. I well, didn't, we thought it was a good idea, and then people were like, "Holy shit!" Yeah, like, well, nobody makes this, and that's a really good idea. I we didn't even really do. We didn't even really look. Here's the thing: we didn't look at if anybody else did it because even if they did it, they didn't do it this way. Right. And so our whole thing was, let's make it and make it our way. And kind of be blind to the market and see what happens. But then when we, we released it, we realized that there's concealed <laughs> that sounds options. sounds like a great business plan. We just fucking throw things at we the wall and see wing if they it. stick. Well, some of the times, you know, it, it falls in the, the realm of, you know, we're just doing what we do and not overly concerned what everybody else is doing. Right. And so our test to market is like, we don't see it in the vicinity and people are asking us for it. And I'm like, well, why don't we do it? And we sure. did it. And so... um but the the application as we've been uh, being educated on it, like if you're a low vis, uh, you know, undercover police officer, yeah, you how see the guys. fuck are you going to carry a tourniquet? Right. Your only option is put it in your pocket, right, or or tape it to your chest over your nipple, <laughs> and that's not very comfortable, and that's just not uh, concealing it. 
And yeah. you have a belt line, you know, 1.5 to 1.75 inches of belt line that you could put it behind. And if you're carrying concealed, it's a, it complements it. And yeah, so, absolutely. I mean, it does yeah. regardless of what you do for a living. I mean, just like we talked about, you're much more likely, even if you're not an undercover LE uh, guy or gal, like you're much more likely to see an automobile accident, be injured yourself in some type of an accident working around the house or whatever you're doing, right? I mean, we see that shit all the time. Like, I think... Mike and I as civilians have, I mean, we talk about car wrecks all the time because we end up on the road a lot, traveling, training, doing all kinds of stuff. And I can't tell you how many times I've come up on something or we together uh, traveling have seen a car accident or something crazy happen. And then you got to have the right medical equipment, right, to either help out if you have the capability. And then just, you know, as an individual, the responsibility that have to hear not only yourself, but if you're a family person, you know, taking care of your family as well. So. 100%. I think it's important. I, I uh, Something I'm interested in doing is, you know, I, I found the 100, uh, the new Defion's uh, American flag patches. Oh, yeah. And I was thinking about doing is doing a um, uh, a sell on those for $25 each and actually offering or donating one of the tourniquet holsters to an agency. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and then, you know, obviously we're not going to donate one to per agency, but donate a, a box of tourniquet holsters to specific agencies sure. yeah, so they can get them out in the field because the, the reality is they need them. Our government contract buddies, when you're yeah. overseas, your IFAC could be on your ankle um, and, and in, a, in a tourniquet, but that's not always the case. You need other options, and this yeah. is an option, so... Yeah, no doubt. Well, I mean, I look at a lot of the, uh, like a lot of the little individual first aid kits. Now people run on their gun belts and they're set up very minimalist. So you have, uh, you know, some Curlex in there, maybe a, uh, a needle for needle decompression, a chest seal, and that's it. And then everybody's running tourniquets. If it's on rubber bands or it's somewhere else mounted on your belt or on your kit, um, you know, that obviously was kind of the way we used to roll old school, but people are actually making, you know, in the waistband stuff like us, well, we are the only guys making that right now. We are first to market with it, so we're excited about it. But, uh, you know, there's, there's that option, which it has a clip on it, and now you can literally, you know, put that thing. It's, it's protect, uh, protected by a Kydex sheath. And then you can put that on to something now for quick access. Quick access. Yeah. Um, so Sunday after the gunfighter carbine course, I got the opportunity. Uh, it's like your assless chaps. It's similar <laughs> to your ass. It's like the same. I don't know where we're going. Right I don't now. know. <laughs> um, another thing is we've actually been working with uh, some professionals in the medical field, uh, North American Rescue. We've been working with uh, their teams to develop a new uh, everyday mobility um, med kit. Yeah. You know, the, the you know, we, we've actually done it with SDHQ, you know, uh, shout out to Serena from SDHQ, which is an off-road parts, accessories, yep. um, install shop in Phoenix, Arizona. They They're, just did the installation on my Icon Stage 9 on my Tacoma, which I'm yeah. actually enjoying a lot It looked right like now. a fucking pit crew from NASCAR <laughs> going in there and working your truck because they're so fucking efficient. But we developed a couple, you know, med options for them. And we always source North American Rescue's med- medical equipment because it's it's validated, proven. We used it in combat. And we developed these uh, kits. Uh, one of them is a vehicle kit that's a, a more robust, like larger version of it that just has a little bit more capability. And then a small version that f- complements the everyday mobility bag that we sell. Right. Um, we're, dude, we sell these everyday mobility bags like fucking hotcakes at IHOP. <laughs> and... Um, it's hard to keep up with the demand, but what we want to do is we want to isolate uh, a number of these bags and sell them loaded, meaning survival, med, all-inclusive. Right. Yeah, it's a higher price point, but the, the bottom line is if you want a go bag, like the perfect go bag is the one that's loaded the fuck out with all the necessities, and then you can complement it with your own shit. Right. And so there's enough room to do survival, med, a robust med, and then add your own stuff in each bag. So I think it's squared away. Big shout out to James from uh, NAR because I think uh, what we've been able to do in a short period of time and then improving uh, the quality of products and the capability is uh, a testament to everybody giving a fuck in the industry because yeah. I mean, the no, reality I is think we want to help. 
I think one of the cool things about this whole thing is like, you know, instead of offering up a bunch of individual products and trying to make people guess at what's the right thing to carry, we're making the process 10 times easier for you. So we're literally taking, you know, ex special operations medics, guys from, you know, North American Rescue, um, both Mike and my experiences downrange. Uh, with a lot of different things, whether it was accidents or gunfights or whatever it was. And so we kind of, everybody put their heads together, developed a kit, uh, two kits essentially, and, you know, making it easier for, you know, even if you're listening right now and you're like, you know, I've been thinking about getting a med kit, uh, just making it easier for you to go, Hey, this is all the shit that we've experienced. These are the things that we think work and this is why we put them together. And so that's what we've done. So the cool thing is you won't have to freaking rack your brain and try to understand if you don't have a very extensive medical background, even if it's basic stuff, we're giving you the basics and, uh, you know, being able to treat trauma and all the different things that you might see through the course of, you know, your lifetime, uh, when you see accidents and, and different things like that, important things to bring up about medical gear in general, anything, right. That is, uh, made of plastic, anything that's made, of uh, nylon, any of that stuff, you got to inspect it, make sure it's good to go. So a good example of that is, you know, prior to doing deployments and training and all this stuff, when we were in the military, you know, you go through your individual first aid kit, because some of that stuff expires. And that's just the way it is, you know, it's, it's sterile stuff, it's good to go. And then, you know, you keep it back there for however long until you use it, or, you know, hopefully you don't have to use it. And, you know, it ends up, uh, just becoming expired and then you got to get new stuff. So that's all like responsible stuff to be thinking about when you do buy this, uh, these kits or you look at different things to purchase. Um, we Are used you to still talking. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, we used to do, you know, uh, you or you check your gear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You got to check your gear is the, is the bottom line. What is it? What is, um, Oh, you went to, uh, the charity event on Sunday. Yeah. Um, so I, with coast to coast. I did. So I, uh, let's see, Sunday we got done with the gunfighter carbine course at Cowtown. And then I went to, uh, support a friend of mine that I went through the Q course with, uh, went through Sephardic with him as well. And then he would continue to move on in his career inside of, uh, United States army special operations command. But he started an organization called coast to coast.org. And essentially uh, their mission statement is to help take care of wounded, uh, killed in action, uh, sir, you know, special operations service members and their families. So it was pretty neat for me. Um, I got a chance to get over there and help them try to raise some money, um, and bring some attention to what they're doing. So they do something cool every year and it's called the, uh, you know, the, the coast to coast ride. And they start off in Coronado, California, uh, and they ride all the way back to Arlington Cemetery, and they stop at different venues along the way uh, and run an auction and, uh, you know, basically tell uh, stories about uh, guys that they honor that year and who they're raising money for and their family. So uh, it was a little nostalgic for me. I ran into some guys that I served with in the past, got a chance to say hey to some some old friends, and then uh, also um, see one of the spouses of a guy, uh, that Mike and I both work with. And his name was big Mike Duskin and his wife's name is Maggie. Um, big Mike. yeah, big Mike. So Mike and I both served with him. And so, uh, I had the opportunity to do that, which was really special and say hello to her and give her a big hug. So that was cool. Um, but if you're interested in these guys, um, and what they're doing, they've got a website, they're legit. A hundred percent of what they're doing is going, uh, to what they call soft health initiatives. Well, that, and they reserve the right to obviously push money towards families and, and guys specifically that need help that were wounded. It's an all volunteer organization. The only thing that they spend money on essentially is the, the ride every year, uh, some hats and t-shirts and like some stickers, but the guys are all volunteering their time to make this happen. If you're interested uh, and you want to check them out, it's coastxcoast.org. And you can see their mission statement, everything they're doing. So I recommend you do a uh, good group of guys. <laughs> Break. <laughs> hey, so I, I ran into a uh, guy in town at the gym, actually the YMCA. And uh, he was, he was, he was actually, a, he actually operated with the, um, 
uh, Rhodesian SAS uh, in Africa. And he's got crazy stories. But he gave me this book. It's sitting right next to you. It's Failure, Failure of Civility. And it's a pretty dope book on how to defend and protect you, your family, friends, and neighborhood in America. It's really interesting. It's not even in print anymore. And what's funny is Grant, our buddy Grant, has a copy of that. <laughs> this dude's a local guy. And he, you know, his name's Mike Grant and Jack Lawson, which I think are pseudonyms, which is uh, how they roll. Um, but it made, me, it made me start thinking about kind of like, hey, what do we do when shit hits the fan? You know, like, hey, what do we do in survival? Besides just small, like, besides your own plan, mm-hmm. like, you, you have to network with people if you want to survive. Because the reality is you don't have enough resources to survive an extended period of time by yourself. So if it's just you, you're fucking dead. I mean, you only have a certain amount of ammo. Mm-hmm. Most people don't have food and water uh, uh, stockpiled. So let's just, just imagine that you run out of your resources. What do you got to do? You have to fight for those resources or you have to acquire resources. How the fuck are you going to deal with that if you don't even have friends or a network to be able to accomplish that? Yeah. And, you know, it made me think that, you know, I'm a very um, private person. I don't like to fucking, you know, socialize and go to the fucking <laughs> galas and stuff like that, whatever social people do. <laughs> but I think it's important to understand that you need a network of people. Yeah. And, you know, we've started that kind of trend with the tribe concept. Um, but what are you going to do? I mean, what's your what's your plan? I have friends. You don't. So. I know. You have like two <laughs> friends. You have two more than me, than, than zero. Two My network's zero. deep because I talk to people. Yeah, no big deal. So I'm going to pick up the phone that doesn't work because the EFP knocked out the network. No, I don't know. Uh, what's our go to hell plan? Well, first, I know what it is. I'm leaving my house, grabbing. Going to Walmart. <laughs> with the I'm going gun. to get bread and milk and a fucking big screen. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, I, I already know what my plan is. I'm not putting it out there. You're trying to get me to That's put the smart. plan out. <laughs> I was waiting for you to uh, yeah. violate OPSEC, and you didn't do it. <laughs> that was a test, and you, you passed. Um, did you see my home build, my fucking van build? <laughs> yes, I see your van build. It's in our fucking office. So it's a it's piece. Kind of, it's kind of hard. I'm one layer <laughs> removed right now, which means a door out of the studio, and there's a van with shit all over the floor. <laughs> yeah, dude, I, it is a pain in the ass. Whoever had this van before, so I, so I got a 2012 Sprinter, 3500 um, Sprinter van. In Sprinter van, if people don't know this because it took some education, it's made by Mercedes. Mm-hmm. Even the guy, I said, hey, what's, how much is it? And he gave me a fucking wazoo price. I'm like, where'd you get that price from? And he goes, it's a Freightliner. That's the blue book. And I'm like, no, 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 no. And I gave him a blue book of a Mercedes-Benz Sprinter. And he goes, that's not a Mercedes. I was like, dude, all these things are the same exact thing. It's Mercedes. Mm. So you can't even get a Freightliner blue book quote on it because Freightliner is such a small company. And Mercedes manufactures the Sprinter van for Dodge, um, for Freightliner, and for Mercedes. It's all the same. It's literally the same exact thing. So 2012, it's got the DEF, which is some stupid emissions thing, but <laughs> I'm working through that. Um, and it's it's the one it's the 170, so it's the longer version as opposed to 144. And it had a or it has a freezer system in it, and it and it's insulated for a, as a refrigerator. Yeah. So it gets down to negative 20 in the back, and I'm like, what did you guys use this for? He, and he said, transporting tra- bodies. Yeah, transporting <laughs> bodies. Duh. Um, and he said that he used it for delivering water bottles to construction sites, which I find hard to fucking believe because the amount of money they put in just insulation alone uh, <laughs> that I tap into every night trying to get the fuck out of the, the back of that thing is insane. Um, I was asked, you know, one, I'm building this into a fucking home. Like, this is what's happening. I gave up on the whole home thing. <laughs> I had a fucking mortgage company. I'm not going to... You sound I'm, like a beat dog right now. Dude, like, I'm not going to mention like, <laughs> this mortgage company's name yet, but I tell you, it's probably the most unfucking professional experience I've ever had in my life. Where... Well, you don't call 1-800-MORTGAGE and expect... No, you know, <laughs> this was actually linked through a friend, yeah. and, and I won't even mention the friend. <laughs> um, but anyways, uh, I, it, it got to the point where pre-approved... And then we go on and a week out from closing on a house. Surprise. Surprise, cockbag. They find something 
that basically lines it out and says, um, basically, you have no, uh, you can't get this house because of these certain issues. And then, don't you like when you're trying to record a podcast and Addison, and Addison starts to go fucking work. ATV and you can hear it in yeah, the podcast? It's the Dodge. He's going to. Uh, Thanks, NSR. Addison. Yeah, thank Thanks. you. Appreciate thank you very it. much. Um, so, <laughs> a week out, they're like, you know what? You had a house after the inspection, after the uh, the appraisal was ordered. Yeah, they're like, basically, yeah, sorry. they got you guys all excited, and they're like, it's it's happening. And, yeah, and then they're, they're like, like, go, go fuck, fuck yourself. yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And then <laughs> and then every excuse is made to where like, oh, sorry, you know, it's just this. And I'm like, no, it's you guys. You guys failed to do your fucking job. Anyways, uh, long story short. Part of the problem, because there's multiple problems in this whole deal, part of the problem is this VA system bullshit. And, you know, number one, uh, I'm sending an email to Trump Jr. Um, because I want something to be done about this shit. Because n- not just for me, because when I realized in advertising the issue, that it's a systemic issue, that it's everybody experiences it uh, in VA who's trying to get reimbursed. So the story goes, uh, in 2000, I think it was 15. In 2015, I took an ambulance ride because I went to the ER two or three times prior to the ambulance ride for facial cellulitis because I had a piece of foreign debris in my face that was from the military that was working itself out that uh, turned into a, what are those, a cyst. And so it basically got infected behind my nasal cavity and it got, and turned into a, an issue. So I had to get it addressed. They lanced it. And because they gave me three antibiotics at the same fucking time, mm-hmm. uh, it made me deathly ill it, to the extent that I had to call the 911 because I was by myself at the time, pretty isolated in the middle of uh, Northern <laughs> California. And they fucking came and got me. And so they delivered me to the hospital. You were living in a van down by the river. I was. I I was on a mountaintop down by the river. And they delivered me and charged me $3,000-something, which is expected. And then they charged me $600, $500-something, as expected for the medication they delivered uh, after I went to the ER. Well, there's, there's a couple of stipulations to this. One... If you're outside of a certain distance, you're allowed to use an emergency room hospital other than VA because of the proximity, which I was. I lived in the fucking middle of Jackson, California. Completely uh, the closest one is Sacramento. So I didn't have the option to do that. Number two, they say you can't go to an ER without the permission, or you can't go to a hospital without the permission of the hospital, without the permission of the VA. The stipulation of that is if it's an ER visit. Like, it's hard to call VA and wait on hold for three hours to get an answer. What? When that never happens. Yeah. Come on. Um, and, and so... Press five pre- for yeah. holding for the rest of your life <laughs> yeah. while you die. A hundred percent. So I, I just went, and then I submitted my paperwork. Long story short, two, three, two years later, still nothing's been done about it. I actually went to the VA in Sacramento five different times, talked to every fucking significant rep, IG, all these people that were like supposed to do something about it, never got anything accomplished. Um, they submitted it to creditors or credit collectors, debt collectors, and basically have fucking destroyed my credit. A year ago to date, my credit score was 794. Today, it's 650. Upon advertising that, I had about 50 fucking people say <laughs> they did the same thing to me. Ooh. So not only is VA... Um, because if you're 30% or more disabled, VA can act as your, um, your opt out for, uh, uh, you know, Obamacare. So it becomes your, uh, most people's, uh, healthcare. So I'm 80% currently. So I'm like, okay, that's my, my health benefit. I'm going to do everything through the VA system, but then you can't get anything reimbursed because their fucking system's so broken. And then on the backside of that, They completely destroy veterans' credits and ability to get a house, to get... I can't even fucking get a credit card because of my credit, because of VA. I've never missed a bill in my fucking life. Never. Yeah. And and now my credit is ruined because of the failure of a government institution to act and do their fucking job. What's interesting is I've actually been talking to people in Prescott, and for some reason, the Prescott VA is very good, but they're they're... 
they're absolutely vocal about how fucked up the VA system is. I mean, every the nurses, the PAs, and maybe I'm calling them out, but maybe they need to be called out. They're all like, yeah, everything you said is exactly spot on. The system's completely broken. And so when you hear that from somebody who's experiencing it, and then it, and you know it's a st- systemic issue, why the fuck are we not fixing it? And you know, bureaucracy aside, I get it, but it's like now you're fucking with people's lives. Now you're ruining people's lives, and you're wondering why the fucking well, suicide just, rate that, and everything else yeah, is fucking through the roof. Financially, look at I mean the the whole scandal with the Phoenix VA and everything that happened there. People on waiting lists dying. Yeah, like, that's it's insane. fucking insane. So yeah. so we're worried about football players. Fucking and oh and God. and their exploits, <laughs> fucking Kobe Bryant and his fucking birthday. But we can't pay attention to fucking veterans and taking care of them. You know, I'm an advocate for veterans because I am one, but also because I see. Look, I'm not. I don't have it bad. Kurt has it worse than me. He's fucking. His back is destroyed. I at least have my back kinda and my <laughs> knees. Um, and and other veterans that we see are fucking completely fucked over. Yeah, it's just a broken fucking system, man. Yeah. Yeah, that's there's no doubt about it. And then it seems like one of the answers is is they throw a bunch of pills at you. So yeah, well, I think that the, the one of, of the so, you know one of the solutions <laughs> is look, we we need to outsource uh, VA uh, the their inability to do pretty much everything and fucking outsource it in the public sector. And you know the public sector is already overwhelmed because of fucking Obamacare. But we need to do something to allow people to at least get the services taken care of like reimbursement dude every va i've been to to deal with this issue there's no even there's not even a system in place to deal with it and nobody who works there knows who to fucking contact yeah for you like your specific issue yeah and then yeah. they get you know what they gave me they said hey contact this number and it's the fucking va number yeah. that says hey welcome to the va and then <laughs> if it, it, i feel i hear that like that loop when i call i hear that loop in my head it's i'm going to call like, va right now <laughs> Oh, watch. Somebody's going to pick up the phone and be like, you're like, I'm fuck. Wow, that was the wrong number. Um, Anyways, are we still talking about this? Jesus. We are. You this d- took like 20 talk about fucking minutes. You just looked up and then uh, I'm going to get them on the, on the I, phone. I was looking at coast to coast earlier. No, I was looking at stuff that's going on in the news. Um, so obviously, uh, kind of a big one. Um, uh, what? Oh, gosh. I feel like a dumbass now. I'm trying to think of the gal out in Iowa uh, that they just found. Um, oh, shoot. I'm looking it up right now, guys. Bear with me. Uh, yeah. Uh, Molly Tibbetts. Um, obviously, that thing is being slung around as a... Who is it? Uh, the, oh, that the was young killed. girl, Molly Tibbetts, it was killed, you know, by an immigrant by, yeah, well, by an illegal alien, not an immigrant. No. So, oh, well, I, I said that, <laughs> <Yeah. wrong. laughs> um, but obviously that, that whole thing's being politicized. I mean, I don't know, you know, I mean, there's a lot of different things you could throw out about that and what you believe and what you don't believe. My thing is, well, you're telling me about the on CNN. What's that chick's name? Who is? Uh, we're not going to talk about Elizabeth Warren. Oh, Elizabeth Warren. You told me. Tell me Listen, what you told we're me. We're not talking about Pocahontas, okay? <laughs> so Elizabeth Warren's <laughs> the one that said she was Indian, and she's something uh, like yeah, that. Eastern it's, European. She was she either, filed for benefits. I don't know. She was Native American. She's been African American. Fucking piece of shit. Uh, I don't know what what's going to be next, right? I, the bottom line on this one, like I look at that one. How terrible to lose a family member, obviously that way, or obviously it's terrible to lose a family member in any way, but these, you know, this girl hasn't even been uh, buried yet, and everybody is, you know, jumping all over this and making it, a, you know, obviously a political issue. Of course, you know, fucking a bunch of shark politicians are going to be doing that, right? But... Uh, I don't know, man. I just like give, give the family a little bit of friggin' respect, you know, and let them bury their daughter. Like, I, I just, I think it's like making all these things like political right off the bat, like give the family a little bit of respect and some time to, you know, to reflect and, and grieve the loss of their kid that was murdered in a violent crime. Like, I, I think it's just disgusting that politicians are jumping all over that and they're, you know, somehow everything gets skewed in all the little ways that they want it to get skewed. They don't give a fuck about Molly or her parents or uh, anything other than 
influencing your opinion based off of a fucking narrative that they want to sling. So, anyways, that's Um, what I think. So, John McCain just passed away, and he did. uh, Yeah, you know, John McCain was. uh, uh, Actually, this is a good topic. I have a. He's a he's a fucking war hero. He's the United States senator senator from Arizona. You know, dude, it blew me away. Since 1987, yeah, a lot of you know a lot of guys on social media, a lot of gals, veterans were you know paying respect where respect was due. You know, there were some some differences politically with John McCain in the end that I think a lot of people were disappointed about. And that's fine, right? You, We can all voice our opinions about that. You may have agreed. You may have not agreed. But, I mean, I had people getting on my social media um, that were like, you know, traitor, coward, all this stuff. And I'm like, this guy was a fucking PO, like a fighter pilot in Vietnam, shot down over North Vietnam, and a fucking POW for five years. His cellmate, uh, uh, I can't remember the guy's name. He retired as, I believe, a lieutenant colonel out of the Navy. Um, basically said that he considered John McCain a hero. He talked about uh, his like his demeanor and how he kept morale up um, in this POW camp and kept you know um, uh, these American fighter pilots smiling and. Like if you don't, if you know, we've had a very tiny taste of that going through Sear. I can't get into that specifically, but if you understand what happens in a POW camp and to to sit there and call a guy a coward or a traitor, like I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. But the guy was absolutely gave his pound of flesh to his country, and not only did he serve in the military, but he also was a civil servant. And again. Hey, you know, he stepped into politics, and once you do that, you open yourself up to all kinds of shit. Um, but, you know, to say that the guy didn't serve his country and that he was a traitor, I, I couldn't agree, or excuse me, I couldn't disagree anymore. Yeah, he, he uh, it's, you know, his dad was a four-star admiral, and uh, he was almost killed, actually, in the USS Forstall fire in uh, 1967 and then you know he was shot down on a bombing mission so he was a naval aviator i mean right. he's doing the job yeah uh, despite his upbringing despite all everything involved and then he was a prisoner you know after he was shot down it says october 1967 until 73 yeah and dude when and he was tor- he was ex- you know he experienced episodes of torture and he he refused people don't remember this but he refused to be released even when the opportunity presented itself because his dad was a four-star. Right. So they had a lot of, uh, you know, political play with him. Right. And he refused to be let go um, because he didn't want... He didn't want special treatment he didn't want special his treatment. dad was a senior officer in the Navy. Yeah, and he's... Dude, since 1987, he's been a US in the U.S. Senate. Yeah. And he, and he won election five times the last time in 2016. He ran for president of the United States. Ran Obviously for president. win, but... Yeah. Yeah. Great, great, great man. Great patriot. Uh, despite your political or whatever the fuck you believe, um, the yeah, bottom line, opinion. He's, he's a fucking hero yeah. and, uh, he deserves to be treated like one. And so, um, also, um, you know, actually one, one last thing on that, if you read his statement, so, um, it was actually, I read it, uh, on a news outlet, but he released a statement. So he knew he was going to die. He had brain cancer. They decided to stop treatment and he knew he was going to pass. And the letter that he wrote to the American people, I mean, it is absolutely like, if you read that and you think that guy is a piece of crap, you're probably an idiot. So, I mean, just, it, it describes kind of through his life. He's literally telling the American people, thank you for letting me serve you. Like it was an honor. It was a privilege. Like it was probably one of the most humble um, things I think I've ever read from a guy that had given so much of himself, his family and everything else uh, in service of the country. And I mean, it was just if you haven't read that, I recommend you go read it because it actually it's given me chills right now after I read it um, and now just thinking about it. But how humble he was. And, uh, and the things that he says in this, this final statement, which he knew was going to be published after his passing and his, one of his very close assistants, uh, read that for, you know, the, the media and everybody else and, you know, um, got all choked up about it. But I mean, it, it's like, it's really impactful. I recommend you read it. Hell yeah. Good stuff, man. Um, so I'm going to call the VA right now. Let's just see what happens. So <laughs> this is interesting because maybe... We can't hear what they're going to say because our podcast studio isn't that... 
Isn't that awesome? It but is. Watch. It's, you're going to hear what they say. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is Mike Glover. Hello? Hello? We can hear it. We can hear it. That's the speaker. Do the. It's talking out of the bottom. Oh, you hear. Your ear goes here. <laughs> oh, it's on speakerphone. Yeah. So press something. Please hold as we transfer your call. You may experience a few seconds of silence during this time. Okay. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, another robot. Please press one to continue. <laughs> you put you in a hold and you got to push one. Let's be patient. <laughs> Whoa, they hung up on you. <laughs> Dude, I right, hit so, zero. It yeah. said, okay. This... We're sorry. You have entered an invalid option. Okay, let me just press one. Because that may be good. sorry, but due to a large volume of calls oh. and unusually oh. long wait times, Uh-oh. counselors are unable to answer your call at this time. Oh, Whoa, I've if never heard that before. You will need to call back at another less busy time. Oh, what? Those times are generally earlier in the day. Usually, <laughs> generally. between 8.30 and 11 a.m. <laughs> or later in the afternoon. Usually after 2.30 p.m. Hmm. We regret any inconvenience. They actually have an automated Thank system you. to blow you Goodbye. off. Yeah. They literally hang up on you. There's no... That's the, that's the fucking VA experience right there. <laughs> you call... They say it's too heavy of a volume. So instead of saying, hey, we'll call you back or we'll do something about it, they just say, sorry for the inconvenience. You're fucked. You're, you're in a hospital bed. You can't pay your bills. You can't get off your ass. You can't do anything. You get fucking addressed. Hmm. Uh, let me try this. I'm going to try. <laughs> and, and honestly, I, I, I'm serious about this one where I'm going to try and, and I'm going to try to t- uh, tap into the, uh, the suicide prevention line. Now, I want to see if they blow you, if they're blowing veterans off. You got to tell them if they do answer, we got to get off right away because we don't want to clog, clog, it, clog that line up. Yeah. I just want to see if they pick up, if they're, if they're transferring people out. Press one. If you're going to commit suicide, press two. One moment. Hmm. You have reached the National Suicide Prevention oh Lifeline and Veterans Crisis Line, serving <laughs> veterans, active duty military, civilians, and all family members outside the continental United States. Please wait while we connect your call to the next available crisis counselor. Hmm. This call may be monitored and recorded for quality assurance purposes. All right, so how long has it been? How long have you been on the phone? Oh, it's going to go. I just disconnected. That was weird. Really? Yeah, it just fucking hung up. That's weird. It rang once and then it disconnected. Huh. Okay, whatever. All right. So, anyways, pr- so point proven VA sucks ass and it's yeah. just like It could get better though. Like we just oh, there's gotta, there's a yeah. hundred like I'll tell you just from experience and you've experienced this too, there's a lot of things that it's like when you walk in that place, it's like walking in Kmart today, right? You walk in, it's like abandoned aisles, like people who don't know the fuck's going on. Some old dude rolling a, like a blue light special cart When's around the, last the fucking time place. You've been in a fucking it. Kmart. Let's exactly. That's what I mean. Well, so the the point is, it's it, there's so much inefficiency in VA. Here's a small example. And I told you about this. I'm sitting in the waiting area to get my blood drawn. 
They have a oh, key. I thought up. you were going to say you're sitting in the waiting area to have that butt plug removed. No, that was later. That yeah. was that was a toy. They took it's, that seriously. <laughs> that was that was cars, micro yeah. machines. And so when I went into the the waiting room, I showed up, and every chair in the waiting room, and at like eight o'clock in the morning when they open, was um, was somebody was sitting in them. And as veterans were coming in, they were going to the kiosk, and they had a kiosk instead of saying instead of like pulling a fucking number. And then saying, "Yeah, uh, calling number five next at the window." They didn't do that. Uh, in fact, they, what they did was they had a system where, when you came in, you couldn't pull anything. It wasn't manual. They had an electronic system where yeah, veterans I I, had yeah. to enter their social security number and all this information. Yep. Three different veterans came in and literally could not figure out. We're not talking about healthy people. If you if you if you listen to what. The, the name of the shit is Veterans Affairs, and, and it's for disabled veterans. Right. It's not for healthy veterans. So we're talking about it's a <laughs> hospital for unhealthy fucking people. who you, And these guys are, are super old, and they couldn't figure out these systems that were pretty complex. So two of the dudes actually wanted, like literally went in there to get blood drawn, couldn't even figure out how to use the kiosk machine, and we're gonna walk away. Mm-hmm. And me and another person were like, "Hey, let, let's stop before you leave, and let's try to figure out how to do this." So now you have veterans helping veterans, yeah. and everywhere you go inside that place, that's how things are getting accomplished. <laughs> In fact, what's what's crazy about Prescott, and I love Prescott, is it's beautiful, and I, I think you know it, it's better than what I've seen. But even their hospital, the way they have it laid out. You, if you go into the hospital and you want to do something, and then you have to go to an alternate clinic, for example, sleep disorders. Sleep disorders is two miles away from the, the normal building in another building because they, they took an entire uh, yeah. compound and made it a VA hospital. Right. So it's completely inefficient, and everybody there is, it, I mean, the veteran community from World War II and Vietnam, it's like, dude, really? They're 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s. Yeah. And so... It, it, the uh, fuck, <laughs> the whole fucking thing just frustrates the fuck. You're going to talk shit to me earlier about talking a long time. Oh, God. You get on your rants. What well, uh, the VA, bro? No, I understand. It's like it, dealing though. with this shit, it's like yeah, it's it must be nice going home to your house <laughs> and fucking sleeping yeah. in your bed. It's like frustrating. <laughs> I, oh God, I am one layer removed from Fieldcraft oh. in the sense that I have a rental house here in Prescott. So yeah, you're I'm, spoiled. <laughs> yeah, that the. You've been to my house, so uh, <laughs> the definition of spoiled is yeah. uh, is it's kind of like a prison. <laughs> yeah. um, definition of spoiled is uh, based off of your perspective. I guess. That's true. That's true. Um, <laughs> yeah. What else is going on with Philcraft? Uh, we've got uh, several courses coming up in California, which are going to be awesome. Uh, I think we've still got slots left. Fifteen, sixteen will be in series California. Sixteen. The gunfighter carbine class, we still have slots available for that course if you're interested. I don't care if you have a bullet button. I don't care if you have 10 round mags. If you own a carbine in California and that's the piece of equipment that you have, that you have we'll teach you how to use it and make you effective with it. And if you, even if you're hamstrung by a bunch of bullshit laws made by a bunch of morons, uh, we'll still teach you how to use the equipment. Uh, also, um, I got to ask a question recently about uh putting together a close proximity course and we had talked oh, about yeah, this yeah yeah we actually are are stapling it together but uh you know there's a high demand for you know hey what do you do when you're in a confined area in, in close proximity to a threat in armed vehicle, unarmed yeah yeah in a vehicle it's kind of like the lone operator course we used to have in special operations where you know you have to fight for your life and, mm-hmm. and the reality is you know the decision making process is is complex when looking at what to do and how to do it. And yeah. so uh, we're going to get mats. We're going to uh, start formulating a plan and put together a period of instruction so we could teach that course here in Prescott. So it's yeah. going to be real good. That'll be wait. cool because there, there, there's a lot of different tools at your disposal, whether it's a blade, a firearm, your fists, understanding how to control people physically. Colonel Blades. Yeah, all that stuff. Yeah. How, tell Colonel them, Blades about used to eat ribs with that dude. <laughs> what? <laughs> tell them about the uh, Colonel Blade we got coming out. Yeah, so, uh, well, we don't have one specifically, but uh, oh, the the <laughs> the Colonel Low-Viz will be in our NCO website. NCO Low-Viz. Yeah, the NCO Low-Viz is actually going to be on the website here probably 
uh, within week, yeah within the week. Um, we'll see because Labor Day weekend's coming up, but they are in route. We're excited about it. Uh, we're excited to be working with those guys. I know the guy that started the company, Al Saviti, awesome dude, great background. Uh, lots of guys in the special operations community running the Colonel Blade. If you haven't seen, uh, or I don't think we've released that on the YouTube channel yet, have we? No, we haven't. No. In fact, we're probably going to do it this Friday. Okay. So um, I, I did. I actually did a little review on the Colonel Blade, and I talk about its uh, practical usage and the reason why we back it. Um, so if you haven't heard like our little spiel on knives, I recommend you go to the YouTube channel. Uh, keep an eye on it. Wait for that video to drop. We'll obviously uh, circulate that on our social media. Just did a little comparison with folders, fixed blades, uh, knife fighting, all the different stuff you hear, you know, from different people out in the, in the community teaching self-defense and all that kind of stuff and kind of our take on why this particular tool is practical. And we feel like people, if you can't f- carry a firearm, uh, you know, this is another alternative to being able to protect yourself. Yeah, I think it's squared away. And I, I think uh, coming up with these solutions is, is part of what we needed, what we're doing and what we need to continue to do, which is always pushing the envelope and being creative. Right. And, uh, and what the demand is. It might be med stuff, might be self-defense stuff, but it all revolves around modern survival. 100%. And then, you know, the uh, we're going to end this episode uh, on a question I got to ask, which I thought was an interesting one. It's, a, it's actually a modern mindset question, but we yeah. kind of div- have been diverting attention just to focus on... Do you pitch or on, catch? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're definitely a catcher uh, or receiver. So, you know, the question was asked about... Um, uh, I'll actually read it verbatim. It says, I wanted to ask you, how do you find your purpose in life? What leads you to finding yours? And what advice would you give to others to finding theirs? I hear all these entrepreneurs talking about their purpose, like we, they've known their purpose from the get-go. I'm lost with what to do in my life, but no, I have something bigger out there that's out there for me. Uh, what do you think? Oh, God, that's such a deep one, especially right now. Like, well, I think I think the, you know, the, one of the things that comes to mind... Damn it. Out- Did you read this prior to... No, no, no. Oh, I just okay. read it just now. One of the things that comes... <laughs> Bullshit. To- <laughs> you saw that last night. Yeah. <laughs> That's the- such a deep question, like at yeah. where we're at now in the business game. I, uh, I, I don't think it I, I don't think it revolves around something specific. I think that the generality that we follow is uh, being... Is a selfless service. You know, this thing that we do or that we've done our entire lives is serving others. Um. When, when you find a purpose in something less narrow, um, less less of a focal point on materialistic things or, or maybe monetar- monetary uh, gain, mm-hmm. and, and it's, an, it's an ethic. Is monetary a word? I, I think just, it is. <laughs> I think it is. Monetarial. I think you just made up another word. No, which no, it, it's It sounds legit. believable because you legit. have, you have that it. kind of voice. You're like, it's monetary. I've never denied that it's not a word. It's a word. <laughs> All right, sorry. I fucked up your train of thought. I apologize. <laughs> no, I, I'm just saying being selfless uh, and I not, get that. not being yeah. self, selfish is a key. You know what's crazy is actually uh, John McCain in that letter that he wrote, not to go back to that, but I'm going to, he talks about selfless service and how that ties into actually finding purpose in life is serving a cause that's higher than yourself. Obviously, we had the opportunity to do that in the military because you don't get the choice. You are serving a cause that's higher than you. And then when you're working in, you know, uh, really tight teams, you want to do well for the guys that are around you. It's not even about you. It's not like your personal, it's not about your ego. It's literally, you know, the common uh, goal, which is the mission right? The mission is what's most important and everybody's striving to accomplish the mission. So, you know, that's a, I think it's a great kind of one, it's a great question, especially right now for us, because if you think for one second that being an entrepreneur is an easy thing and running a business, like we had a hiccup this morning where we're talking at, you know, seven, eight o'clock in the morning and working through a problem set, you know, and trying to identify how to fix it. I mean, that's like every single day. And unfortunately you have to live it 24 seven because you're living in the little van by the river right now, which means you don't get a break from the company. Uh, but you know, we're constantly trying to figure things out. So when it goes back to like your purpose in life, like the only thing I can think to myself is what else am I going to do? Am I going to go home and sit on the fucking couch and wonder about my life and wonder, 
you know, what I could be doing, wonder about, uh, what I should be doing, what keeps me motivated, what doesn't, um, those are conversations. That's kind of a, like, that's really deep in the sense of like going into each individual person and what makes you tick. And if you're a driven person, right, if you need somebody to come behind you all the time and tell you what to go do, well, I would suggest trying to change that and be a, take a little bit more initiative. And that's actually something, you know, uh, for me and my role in the company that I'm trying to do to help take some of the workload off of uh, Mike, because we have a lot of things we have going on. And so, just working in a team like that, trying to understand the dynamic and, um, you know, and, and duties and responsibilities essentially, because really, I think when you start a business, like all the duties and responsibilities are really everybody's at the top. Like there's no, it's hard to kind of pull those things apart because everybody shares the burden of what's happening or what's not happening. Or so, I mean, that's a, you know, as far as finding purpose, like that's something that, that everybody has to figure out for themselves. And, you know, Mike and I both have our different motivators for why we do what we do. But I think a, a common, a common theme is serving something bigger than yourself. And that's really, if you can find that, uh, hang on to it cause it's special. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think that's exactly spot on. I mean, uh, uh, one of the, uh, maybe a tangible, uh, thing that we've done before I've done actually with my guys on the team is uh, I do I go, do goal setting, you know, goal setting in short term and long term goals, but actually um, discovering some fact finding about yourself and then laying it out because a lot of people don't do that. I mean, a lot of people get lost in what's a very complex uh, thought process or or you know purpose. You know, it's very um, metaphysical. Yeah. yeah. So if you actually lay out, you know, hey, what do I want to do? What are my interests? What are the pros and cons of different courses of action? you might start analyzing things differently and seeing it differently. And yeah, then, like actually writing it down, right? Yeah. Like in front of you so you yeah. can see it. We're big fans of whiteboards, and it's because... <laughs> we're surrounded by yeah. them right now. <laughs> yeah, we're surrounded by them. I, what, what I think is good is it's, it's accountability. You know, part of the, the whiteboard or chalkboard mystique is its ability to... Uh, um, keep you organized. Keep, well, keep you organized and keep you on... Uh, keep you accountable... Because it's always there. It's in front of your face. And, you know, I tell people that, you know, if you're goal setting or if you're doing something, trying to, you know, get out of a rut, maybe write it down on a mirror in front of you. Every single morning you see it uh, on the whiteboard. Um, and then you could start to hold yourself accountable and, and get outside of your head a little bit and start focusing on narrowed tasks that you could action instead of all these concepts that are trying to kind of hard to put your uh, wrap your head around. Yeah. Um, you spend more time thinking than doing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And like a good, a good, a good analogy of this is, you know, like we have a buddy, uh, Mike, his son, Cameron is jo joining the army and, you know, leading up to the moment until he actually signed the paperwork <clears> to <throat> be an airborne infantryman. Uh, and cause I, cause I, me and Kurt have experienced this. There's a lot of anxiety on like, what do I need to do? What direction do I need to find? Well, when you sign up for something and you're narrowly now obligated to something, you're in it. And then yeah. you could start to discover like, hey, is this something that I want for the rest of my life or is this something that is just a temporary thing? So if you're thinking about starting a business, maybe the first step isn't even to start uh, lining out the business. Maybe the first step is to go to school and get educated on processes in business and see if that's something that interests you for the long long haul. Right. So, uh, or talk to entrepreneurs and get their own opinions. I mean, if what's interesting is me and Kurt have, for the last, I think, uh, maybe two weeks, have been going through this process of distribution. And it's very complex. It's fucking hard, man. It's supply chain management. Supply chain management. It, it almost, it, it's exciting, but at the same time, it's like... <laughs> holy fuck, like business is completely different than I thought. Right. You know, I thought we can get away, I can get away with Facebooking and Instagramming through marketing and then that that's the end of it. But the next level yeah. is a completely different game. And um, it's interesting, it's exciting, but it's also, it's also taxing. And mm -hmm. so you have to be prepared to understand the full picture when you're looking at your purpose. Because ultimately, I think my purpose is just I want to help people and I want... Uh, you know, I want to experience a life um, that makes me happy outside of my experiences in the military. I want to, I want to travel. I want to breathe air. I want to hunt. You know, I want to do cool shit that I haven't been able to do for decades because 
of our obligations in the in the service. So. Yeah, it's like learning how to live again, which is Completely. like which it's funny because I feel like in the military you give everything to you know to doing the job, which was fine. We absolutely excelled at doing that, but then when you actually try to again, I think this is a tra- you know talk we talk about transitional issues and all this stuff all the time, but it goes back to finding purpose but then actually learning how to live again uh, for yourself because for so long you don't live for yourself really. I mean, there's little things that you still get to do, but I feel like a lot of the time, even when I was intermingled with my family, you're like pretending. Yeah, you know, you like to you get to go to the movies, <laughs> yeah. and then you get to go to the store. I get to go to the Thai restaurant and the have Thai restaurant Thai. sushi yeah. once a month. I mean, Ooh, yeah. yeah, damn. But we're outside get, of that, we're getting soft. No, <laughs> it is crazy, man. It's just like remember. I, it, you basic. It's easy because you don't have to think about what you have to do because yeah, you the military it. lines it out for you. Yeah, when you're true. when you're self-employed <laughs> and then um, self-empowered on your own, it's fucking scary. It's scary yeah. that that level of independence. <laughs> like people for people neglect that, and you know we we talk about it with our peers, and we understand it because we've lived it. That when our peers who, you know, have done 20 plus years in special operations get out, a lot of them think that uh, the world cares. Or, you know, some of them absolutely understand it. But what we've realized through the process is nobody really fucking cares about you in the <laughs> civilian world. <laughs> and so you have to develop your own networks, your yeah. own communities. But what I realized is the brotherhood isn't there anymore because... The Brotherhood it belongs to an institution that's moving forward, grinding in counterterrorism and right. whatever yeah. that might look like. And outside of that, now you have to resource your own assets, your own network to be able to function um, and get something similar to what that was, that right. experience, that support network. Yeah, absolutely. I, which is cool. Like, you know, for us, like at the point we're at right now, you know, we've employed several people since we started. And like the guys working out of Prescott, Maine are all veterans, which is cool. Um, so we realize that there's an important element to that kind of creating another brotherhood on the civilian side. Uh, and that, you know, part of that is the tribe as well and surrounding ourselves with good people and being able to communicate, teach, uh, still be passionate about being part of a group. So lots of different things there. It was a great question, whoever sent that to you, um, because I think that's one that I honestly, when someone asks it, I think, uh, you know, depending on what time frame it is, there's a different answer based off of what you're experiencing in life at that particular moment. Absolutely. I think, yeah, it's a good question. And I appreciate the the input. Uh, what else you got? Anything else? Uh, just a reminder guys. Uh, again, last Sunday I was at the coast X coast.org event. Check those guys out. Uh, set up by special operations dudes, some active duty, some not, all volunteering their time to make a difference, uh, helping with soft health initiatives and taking care of our brothers that fell on the battlefield and their families. Um, and uh, several courses that we have coming up, the mobility course, 7-8, right? Or is that 8-9? Eight, 8-9, nine? Eight, nine, yeah. Okay, 8-9 September uh, in Prescott. We've got several slots left for that. That's going to be a blast. We're going to teach you how to Use your vehicle uh, in the best ways possible. Go to the website to reserve or pay for a slot for that. 15-16, we're in Ceres, California. The 16th, we still have slots left for gunfighter carbine. And then we are talking about setting up training in other areas. Be patient with us. Uh, Typically, it's Mike and I conducting the training, and we have a lot going on right now. So we're trying to partition our time in the right ways to ensure that our business continues to grow. Absolutely. Uh, big shout out to Base Map. If you guys are interested in Base Map, go to app. Base Map. Base Map. Yeah. App. Uh, it's www.app.basemap.com. <laughs> um, what's, uh, I like Base Map. You know, hunting season just kicked off, and which is unfortunate because I don't have a fucking Arizona driver's license and I can't get a hunting tag. Um, but anyways, it kicked off because all the archers are out in the backfields by the business scouting (laughs) and trying to, um, you know, it's bow season right now, but if you're interested in that, they have a desktop hunt version, uh, where you could part, see the partition land. So you're not on public or or, uh, private Private, property property. And I, I think it's a really cool app. I use it for all the navigation stuff we do for overlanding. Uh, you could actually download them on iTunes or the, um, 
what is it called? The Google Play uh, Store. The Google Play. Google Play. If you use Fieldcraft, you want to bump up to the Pro version, which I use all the time. Use Fieldcraft uh, to save twenty five percent off that, which is a huge amount. Nice, huge amount. Um, yeah. Thanks, guys, for tuning in. Thanks. Uh, Hope you enjoyed this episode yeah. of us shooting the shit. Shooting the shit. We have to do these more often. It's good just to talk yeah. about shit. I think it's it's mentally healthy. It is, absolutely. <laughs> it's like dental floss for the mind. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. Uh, until next time. Stay alert. Stay alive.